Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 271. This week we have an interview with Fabiana Borges, uh, a black belt She's training in San Antonio, Texas. Excited to talk to her. She's uh, come up through the ranks, won a bunch of tournaments uh, when she was younger. She just recently won uh, Masters Worlds at Lightweight, and she got second place in the Absolute Division. I'm always impressed by those uh, lightweights that do well in the uh, open weight class. Awesome interview talking with her. Uh, I'm here today joined with my brothers in podcasting, Gary Hall and Joe Thomas. Gentlemen, exchange some pleasantries, would you please? We don't do that kind of stuff here, Byron. That's about the long and short of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I assume you guys are having great days. We're always having a great day, especially when got, we're hanging out with you, Byron. I was going to say, I just got done with open mat, so that's... So Joe's tired. Yeah, well, <laughs> something like that. I'm beat up, but uh, that, that's a good way to start your Saturday, man. It's funny. I was just telling Byron I did open mat this morning, and I said the exact same thing. I'm beat up. It's, I think I might need to, like, take a week off. I haven't had a had a any time off in a long time, and uh, either I'm just this last week I've just been a little sluggish. So maybe I need a time off, do a little something else, and let my body recharge a little bit. Got it. We talk about that during the interview, Gary. You're gonna love it. Uh, being awesome. able to sustain your jujitsu and uh, long term, you know, stay on the mats. And you know what? If you if you need to take a week or so off, take a week or so off. It's not gonna affect you in ten years. If you got a tournament in a month, maybe that week off is is after the tournament. But uh, being able to stay happy and on the mat is is the goal of a lot of us. It is one of our goals with the podcast is to help keep you guys happy and on the mats. Um, I have an audiobook that might help do that. It's six BJJ training games. So when you're rolling, open mat or just after class, you're doing some rolling. Typically, you are playing one game, maybe two, if you're thinking about points. Maybe you're trying to win by points or submission. A lot of us just try to, to outwork or submit our opponent, our training partners. And that's the typical standard jujitsu. Hey, let's roll. If I can catch you, great. If, if you catch me, that's fine. You know, the, you know, we're just working here. But with these six training games, it changes your goal. It it might make you, you know, try to throw the book at them, and you're gonna you're gonna try to you know just attack with everything you could think of, with really no regard to how likely it'll be to land or uh, how how uh, how strong the position is. And that kind of helps. The, the benefit of that game is it helps you. Uh, be more familiar with your catalog of techniques because you do know a lot of techniques. If you've been training for a year or two, you know a lot of things. But it's often hard to think of those. You just get side control and you say Kimura. You get side control, you get armbar. Well, there's a ton of stuff, but you forget. And so if you could work with somebody and and do this, uh, I call it the Nike method, you just do it. You just do it. If you see something, do it. And uh, sure, you play a little bit more loosely. Uh, it's a little bit higher energy of a game, but it helps you maybe identify some areas that would surprise you. Oh, I actually landed that. I don't think I would, I don't get that. Or it just helps you expand your, your knowledge of moves, you know, to add a few more moves that you could do. 
And uh, that's just one of the games. There's six of them. It's five ninety nine. That's less than a dollar per game that I talk about. It is a little over an hour long, and the audiobook can be found in the show notes on bjbrick.com or in your smartphone if you pull up the notes. It's right there. There's a link. You can get to it. So check it out, and the money goes and helps support the show. Keep the podcast going strong. Yep. Do yourself a favor and check it out. Uh, put it on your phone, and uh, you can check it out a little bit before each class and maybe pick a game to play. And I would suggest picking one game, though, and maybe playing it for a month or two. And uh, see if you get the benefits out of that. I've done, uh, oh, I don't know like, what Byron calls it. I call it going left-handed, and I get made fun of every time <laughs> I call it that. But, uh, you know, something like that for a month is where you really see the benefits. I don't know if they're so great after one class, but try and do something a little bit differently for a, a sustained period of time, and you'll see the benefits. So that would be my suggestion, but definitely check it out. I call I'm that one. Uh, uh, backwards grappler. You do things backwards. So if you go right, you go left. If you, uh, you stand up, you, you stay low. I, I don't know. You just you change up what you're doing, and of course it brings out a weaker part of your game. But you might discover some cool stuff. That's the one that has done the best for me too. I, I've I really like the backwards grappling. It's helped my game tremendously. I, I assume you know it might be going left handed, but depends on what's well, normal I'm for you. Gary. So I call it right handed. Okay, <laughs> everybody's normal is different. And, uh, and, Gary, and Gary's different is very different. Much so. <laughs> different. Okay, guys. So this is uh, usually when we talk about a, a life lesson, maybe something we've learned off the mats and we bring it onto the mats. And every once in a while, we, we take it the opposite direction. And this week, that's where I'm going. I'm talking about something that I've learned on the mats and uh, maybe talking about taking it into your everyday life. Kind of like a left-handed backwards style. Left-handed backwards, upside down something other than the norm yeah nike just do it just do it so we had open mat this morning and uh coach had to leave a little bit early he had some family things going on and as he walked out the door he's like have a good weekend guys and oh don't forget it's barrett's 14th birthday we got a kid that's been training with us for a couple years 14 years old today and uh so as the coach walked out the door we're all like uh isn't it sort of a tradition to shark tank somebody on their birthday so yeah let's do that so we take this 14 year old kid who's he's a big solid kid he's probably five foot eight 150 pounds so he's he's not small by any means um so the first guy that rolls with him and the, the timer set for six minutes on and a one minute break and we said we'll just use that timer we're going to roll through the breaks so uh, the first guy's going to roll with barrett for seven minutes and then the next guy and the next guy and so on and so uh, the first guy up is Brant, and he's a 280-pound purple belt. And he gives Brant, he gives Barrett all he can handle, and you know plays top position pretty much the whole time, and puts on the pressure, but can't get a tap against this kid. And then I go next, and I'm not as big as Brant, but I'm a big guy, and I play top position pretty much the whole time. And you know I go for north-south Kamora, but I can't quite uh, put it on him. And uh, so he's got 14 minutes in when I'm done. And the next guy rolls with is Todd. And Todd's about a 150-pound white belt that's been doing it for six months. And would be a good time for Barrett to take a break. Uh, but instead, after going 14 minutes with two large purple belts, uh, Barrett proceeds to destroy Todd. <laughs> Taps him out a couple of times. And, you know, we're all giving Todd a hard time. And Todd's like, hey, you guys are supposed to tire him out. You guys failed in your job. <laughs> so, so uh so why we're giving uh, Todd a hard time, you know, some people are joking around about, you just can't tire Bear out. 
And the next guy up is Jose Lopez, and he's a 45-year-old, retired Marine, uh, purple belt, uh, successful competitor in the local area. He's a tough guy, and he's like, yeah, I'll tire this kid out. So he, he goes up next, and he gets Barrett in one of the nastiest triangles I've seen in a long time. And, you know, he's triangling Barrett from his back, and Barrett puts uh, a foot up to try and post to get posture, and, and Jose snags that foot and brings it up by his head. So now he's got Barrett bent in half and and just i mean it's a nasty triangle and and he's got it locked on long enough that the rest of us are sitting around having a conversation about it and we're like uh at one point i said face it guys every one of us sitting here we would have tapped a long time ago and everybody's like yeah you're right and eventually barrett pops out and ends up uh in top side control and uh finishes around I, th- I think jose managed to to reverse him and get top position again before the end of the round but finishes that round and then the next round he rolls against a 25 year old blue belt and uh, pretty much gives the blue belt all he can handle and i mean tough kid this guy barrett but the life lesson kind of going back to the triangle he was stuck in i think a lot of times we allow the expectations of other people to in the particular circumstances that we're in to dictate the outcome. You know, it's easy to think I'm 14 and I'm rolling against this tough purple belt. Who's, you know, bigger than me, older than me, more experienced than me. And uh, I'm supposed to tap in this situation. So we do end up tapping. And, and the thing that I'd like to encourage people is to don't let other people's expectations dictate the outcome of your life. How many times taking this off the mat, how many times is a guy, let's say you're got out of high school, you go to community college, you're working your way through, you're working in restaurants and you decide that you like working in restaurants. And when you're 22, 23 years old, you say, I've got a five year plan. By the time I'm 20 years old, I'm going to own my own restaurant. And immediately everybody starts saying, well, you know, 90 percent of small businesses end up going bankrupt. And, you know, only five percent of small businesses are owned by people that started the business when they were less than 25 and you start hearing all these negative expectations and oftentimes people allow those to influence the way that they, the way they proceed and they end up not doing what they set out to do. How many times do people get married and they hear, well, you know, uh, 90% of the people that get married before they're 20 are divorced by the time they're 30 or, you know, you're from Ohio and he's from Kenya and, and those kind of, cultural differences don't bode well for your marriage and and the marriage ends up in divorce and so if barrett on the mat can defy expectations the way that he did you can take that off the mat and do the same thing so my life lesson i'm bringing today is do not let other people's expectations determine the outcome of your life that's awesome and you have a had a great example to follow it up with there joe and and i was thinking on the mat i've had the same similar experience where I remember I was a purple belt rolling with a, a black belt that I, I knew, but not real well, you know, one that, that doesn't live here in town. And he would always tap me out. And I remember one day I thought, you know what? I think I can get to this round without getting tapped. And I did. And I was, well, is that all I need to do is change my mindset about how fighting out of a, out of a tough spot is, is, is what I'm going to do. And sure. I might get caught uh, but you know, maybe I'll I'll do a lot better. And I did experience that uh, sort of thing, and and maybe that's what's going on in the mindset of somebody who's really just hard to finish is they don't expect to be caught, and and it just makes it much tougher. You know, you 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 have to set your own expectations, and uh, and Joe, I like that one. 
Yeah, that one's great, Joe. Talking about the expectations, too. Um, you know, Byron, you were talking about a black belt you rolled with, and, you know, that person would always beat you and you changed your mind, mindset. And sometimes I think, too, we just look at people, think they're better than us. We, we kind of almost worship him, uh, think that, hey, this guy's a blue belt or this guy's a black belt or, or whatever, that there's no way we can survive with this person. And, you know, Joe Barrett, you know, Barrett's an inspiration to all, us all. I mean, a 14-year-old kid, you know, 150 pounds. And, Joe, when you were telling me that the first guy was 280 pounds and then you, I mean, you look just like a bodybuilder and, I mean, you're 240 <laughs> pounds of solid muscle. Like, I don't know how he made it past those first two rounds. I mean, I was expecting when you were saying that, you know, how often he, I figured he was probably going to get tapped four or five times in each round. And, you know, that kid's just, you know, he's just grown. He's just a tough minded guy. He's not going to, you know, bow down because he's 14 years old and, and lighter. And he just uh, I, I like that. It's it's inspiring for me. Uh, makes me think that, you know, sometimes maybe my head's not right. And maybe that's uh, maybe this can, you know, change my change my game a little bit. Yeah, honestly, as many uh, great matches as you see and great things you see in jujitsu. This was one of the more inspiring and more impressive things I've seen in a long time, you know, and it was pure, pure and simple. A guy just a kid just going out there and doing his best. And, you know, he's a humble kid. He's a good kid. And he's not really trying to prove anything to anybody. He just doesn't expect you know, that he's going to get beat. And it's, it's pretty awesome to watch. The only thing I didn't like about what you were talking about, because I know I'm going to get in trouble by one of our listeners who listens to us all the time. You talked about relationships. Somebody lives in Ohio. Somebody lives in Kenya. There's no way it's going to work. I know for a fact Shimani Mutambi from Kenya will call me and complain about this as soon as he hears it. So uh, thank you, Joe, for getting me into a little bit of trouble. Well, he shouldn't have married that girl from Ohio. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a guy. Well, each to their own, man. That's what I always say. <laughs> Don't let other people's expectations. There you go. <laughs> so, Shimani, we are sorry if you do get upset about that. Well, let's, let's uh, do the quote of the day because I got nothing to transition from that. Uh, Sun Tzu, the art of war. I think this will be a fun one to pull several quotes from because you can just read, read it and it's chock full of stuff that has to do with competition and and battling and strategic planning. Here it is. If ignorant of both your enemy and yourself, you are in certain peril. And I feel this most of all when I talk to somebody and let's just say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach them at a tournament. I'll say, what's your game plan? I'm going to go out there and see what happens. Okay. <laughs> you have literally no game plan, so that's ignorant of yourself. And then you get to say, do you know anything about your opponent? Nope, don't have a clue. Well, this is like the third match of the day. You've probably had opportunity to watch two or maybe just one, depending on if you got a buy or not. Uh, matches, didn't watch the match of the person before you. Um, I th you know, that's, that's a lot of good uh, things you could learn about your opponent during the time. Didn't happen. Or maybe you've grappled with them in the past. You, you don't know. <clears throat> so there's no reason to be ignorant of yourself because you're – that's who you are. You're there all the time. You should know what you're good at. You should have some sort of a game plan. You should have a way to get it to what your to your area of strength. If Joe is planning on Kamori somebody from side control, 
He better have a good way to get to top position. He better have a good way to, to get to side control. And then the Kimura could happen. If if every time Joe's on top, he gets swept, he could have the best Kimura from side control in the world. It's not going to ever happen. Uh, so be knowledgeable about your own game and be ready to put it to work. And then if you any additional knowledge about the other person, just like in a battle, any knowledge about the other, other location or other uh, your adversary is going to help you. Uh, you have to also get uh, be understanding that if you're up against some elite competitor or somebody who you feel is a lot better than you, it, sometimes that could work as a negative, as like you know you're going to get triangled, and you go out there and you get triangled. Kind of like Joe was saying, know the expectations and and don't fall into somebody's trap because you expect it. Everybody who fought Ronda Rousey expected to get armbarred, and a lot of them did. Uh, I wonder if anyone would have done better if they just went out there and just fought their fight first. But uh, there's no reason to be ignorant of your own game plan. Make one and, and try to stick to it. Yeah, I, I like this quote. Uh, I'm familiar with it. And the thing that I've always liked about it is that you, you approach it from two different directions, right? You want to know about your enemy or your opponent, and you want to know about yourself. And one of those things you don't always have control over but one of them you absolutely have 100% control over. So, yeah, there will be times when you compete against somebody that you've never heard of before. You can't find anything on YouTube. None of your friends know anything about him. But you always have control of knowing about yourself. And so it's it's really important to uh, know where your weaknesses are, where your strengths are, how you get from a bad spot to a good spot. It's important to... Uh, know yourself as far as how you deal with adversity you know and, and where your breaking points are those kind of things too and so you absolutely have a hundred percent control over that so if nothing else focus on that to start with and then uh, get to know your opponents as they come joe great point there like byron said sometimes you may not know your opponent uh you may be at a tournament and, and you could watch him for three or four matches and, and have that part but like you said joe 100 you can control 100 percent of yourself um byron previously you were talking about ronda rousey um you were saying uh you know people were going in to expect to get armbarred and that takes me right back to joe's on the mat lesson it made me think about what we were talking about barrett um you know that's kind of what i was thinking that I need in my mindset sometimes when I was rolling, you know, I was just kind of using Barrett as in inspiration. Uh, maybe if they, you know, didn't get so much of their enemy Ronda Rousey in their head and just said, Hey, I'm going to go out and do the best I can and not worry about that. And it made me think back to, uh, as you guys know, I like leg locks, but sometimes when I go against another person who likes leg locks, I stick away from leg locks because I don't know if my leg locks are better. I just need, I'm going to call it the Barrett's rule. That's my new nickname for it. I need to do the Barrett's rule and just, you know, trust my one thing that I can control. Like Joe said, the one part that I know about and, uh, you know, just go with my strength in there. So, uh, I have learned a lesson from you both and Barrett today. So perfect. Awesome. You know, you're talking about everybody expected to get arm barred from Ronda Rousey. Uh, Ronda Rousey and, and Mike Tyson have a similarity in that, when they were perceived to be undefeatable, they were. But once they got beat or once there was a chink in the armor, then it was a whole completely different game. So that, that's an interesting point. Yeah, and Gary, you talking about his leg lock game. Gary's leg lock game is light years ahead of mine. And it, going back to the lesson of the, of the week here, 
when Gary gets me entangled in a leg lock, I pretty much know I'm likely to get finished in a leg lock. I try to escape one or two, but I don't have the advanced uh, system in my head where I know how to get out of this one and be ahead of Gary on the next one. So eventually he catches me. He just catches up to me, and uh, and I can no longer escape. I just need to maybe just like when we're entangled in our legs, I need to tell myself, I can get out of this and I need to try to get out of it, which I always try to get out. But I, I, the back of my head knows I'm likely to get caught. And I think I could use that mind frame to maybe escape a little bit. I mean, I'm not adding technique. I'm just adding a, a different expectation, which could actually have a, a big impact. Like we we're talking about today. This is a neat concept that uh, yeah. we're getting into today. I really think it is going to have a, a big impact. And, you know, it's funny. I just keep pulling stuff back from Barrett and um, Byron. You remember uh, back in the day rolling with D, the very first guy who started leg locks, and and I remember I'd roll with him. I knew as soon as he got my leg, it was already in my head. It was over. When I knew I was rolling with him, I knew beforehand that I was going to get caught in a leg lock, and it almost just seemed like it just happened. And, and I remember a lot of people would all shy away from him. And so I'd try to roll every round with him because I thought he was, because he was so good and it helped my game. But I just remember at one point I was like, after being tapped out so many times, I just told myself, I was like, Hey, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to go offensive. I'm not just going to always try to be aware of my legs and, and try not to let him get my legs. I'm just going to go in and do my own game and everything changed at that point. I started doing so much better and got more confidence. And then kind of like what you guys were saying earlier, I felt like I belonged. And once you feel like that, you're, you do a lot better. And, uh, I, I think sometimes my, my head gets into, gets into my game and takes me down. So, uh, I am going to have to work on that. Yep. Uh, talk about a lot about expectations. This first part of the episode here, set your expectations high. Fabiana Borges has a great interview. Here we go. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He is such a polite driver, he always signals when he changes lights. This often carries over to BJJ if he has been driving a lot. If you're careful to watch his left hand before he performs a sweep, you will see his fingers flick up or down to indicate which direction he is going to sweep. Just before he executes the sweep, he will check to make sure the mat is clear of other grapplers. He can sneak up on a ninja in daytime. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm excited to bring Fabiana Porches to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Fabiana, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you guys. I'm excited to have you on the show. You're, uh, you've done a lot in the sport of, of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, if somebody hasn't heard of you yet, maybe they're new to Jiu-Jitsu, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, what got you started and where you're at now. Um, so I'm Fabiana Borges. Uh, I've been trained for over almost 20 years. Um, next year is going to be my 20th anniversary in Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I started in Back in Brazil, in a uh, social project um, with kids that um, didn't have much money to train or to pay. So we started training together um, close to home. And I moved to U.S. 
10 years ago. Um, and now I'm in San Antonio training and teaching at Gracie Barra, San Antonio, Texas. And soon, uh, Gracie Barra, Bernie, we are just opening our second location. So um, two locations in, in Texas. Wow. <laughs> you, you, you wrapped up almost 20 year history there. You've competed exactly. a whole lot too. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your competition history. You, you started competing really uh, pretty early on and, and you found some success and you competed all through the belt ranks and, and had a lot of success in Brazil and, and in the United States. Yes. Yeah, so I've been competing since pretty much my first year. Um, I did a couple, uh, a couple, no, I, I have six uh, Brazilian Nationals titles, um, and that was uh, yellow belt, some orange belt, um, blue belt, some purple belt, and black belt, too. So before I moved to the U.S., I competed a lot back in Brazil. I did some words. Um, I, have, I have won the word as a blue belt, purple belt, um, Brown belt in 2006, I believe I got third place. Uh, and then I moved to, I came to the U.S. competing in 2007. Then moved, went back to Brazil and moved back to the U.S. and stayed in 2008. Um, I have some Nogi, uh, PM's Nogi, 2009, I believe. I won that um, and PM's um with Guy 2009 2010 and this year I just got um the world master title so that's my first year as a master uh, and I was pretty excited um to be competing move on to this new phase which will be the master class that's really cool it's a, it's a you have a long uh <laughs> history of competing you started so young and uh, and just carried on with it. Uh, yes. Any while you're doing this, you know, even as a kid and, uh, and up through adulthood, uh, any particular challenges that maybe uh, a competition that went that was difficult that that made you think about maybe not doing this anymore, or was there always a drive for it? Well, not so much the tournaments. Um, the tournament winning or losing never made me want to quit jujitsu, but. Um, maybe the challenge growing up, um, I grew up in the favelas in Rio. So, um, the challenge of getting to train, uh, having money to pay transportation, having the money to pay for, um, for the entry of tournaments. Um, whenever I was 18, I had to decide if I wanted to keep on train or start college. So all those challenges made me think about it if I should keep on training um, and pursue a career in jiu-jitsu or should I just go to a normal life um, being um, a normal person <laughs> back in Brazil but um, competing no I love competition I do for myself I like the improvement um, and the self-discovery you have with competition um, so it never made me like want to give up or stop. It was actually keep, keeping me driving and um, keeping me wanting to do more and get to know more about myself through competition. 
you, you've done well in both gi and no gi. Uh, what's the key to that? Um, train. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think training. Um, I have more passion for a gi and the no gi, but I did some. Uh, I got some pretty good results on no gi once uh, when I competed. Um, I don't compete anymore no gi since my passion is not there. But anytime that I set up a goal for a tournament, I make sure I make a schedule, a workout schedule. Uh, I have a, my time management to uh, work, train, and make sure I rest well. So I have those two months, sometimes three months to prepare and um, be waiting for that tournament. So training and I believe training time management, it's the key to be successful and um of course the discipline and the consistency on your schedule because sometimes we make a schedule but we are not consistent with and then that's when we fail but being consistent on okay today I'm going to train today I'm going to work out and today I'm going to rest so being consistent with that i want to get a little deeper into the idea of being consistent with the schedule do you look at a whole month or or the time up to tournaments in three months and kind of make a schedule out of where you want to be or do you plan it week by week or how, how does that work and what's it look like um usually i plan my weeks my weeks yeah weeks usually so um i run the school uh so it's hard for me to plan um to plan like the whole month so i go by week um but i know that i'm gonna train uh, jiu-jitsu competition train Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do my workout. Um, Saturday and Sunday, uh, I do the open mats. So the resting uh, would be more Sunday afternoon. Um, and it, right now, I feel that my body got used, used to that. You know, I don't get as tired to teach classes, but my training... Um, my training mindset is good because I know I only have that one hour. So I don't want to waste the hour talking about anything else. So the students even know like, oh, professor is on a competition mode um, because uh, mode. Because when I go Sundays, I'm like, don't ask me anything. I want to just train. <laughs> and they kind of already know that that's one hour that I have only to train and not think about anything else. So to answer your question, yes, I go by week, uh, week plan. And you stick with the same week as the, as the months go by, like the same yeah. plan, just kind of, you said your body gets used to it. Yes, yes, yes. That's good. So the days that you, I think it was Tuesday, Thursdays, you're, you're, you're working out. Like, what does that mean? Like, what are you doing? Um, I do CrossFit. Um, it's a kind of, um, I, I like CrossFit because the gym I am at, so they have a good coaches. Um, some people are very, um, is, is, I don't know how to say, skeptical yeah. about CrossFit. Um, but I love the coaches that I am at. So each, each person have different body or different, one of different results. I used to do a lot of, um, conditioning specific for Jiu Jitsu, but, where I am at, we don't have that. I haven't found that yet. So the CrossFit place let me uh, modify some of the 
the techniques, for example, I don't do burps, I do um, sprawls, or I don't have, I do, I don't do so much have weight. I do more explosive. So they are very uh, flexible with me. That's why I like them. But um, that works for me very well. So I think it, each person should find what works for them and um, for their training and their goals. That's interesting. Like you talk about how you like the coaches and they have basically changed some of what they're doing. Instead of doing the like burpees, you're doing the sprawls uh, to allow you to to reach your goals, which you want to do. Your goal yes. isn't to compete in CrossFit. Your goal is to, to do well on the mats. And so yes. that's a good coach that says, okay, this student has a different goal. Let's, yes. let's help that person out. Yes. And I found that if I do very, very heavy weights, uh, my jiu-jitsu is slow. I'm slow on the mats because I'm sore. And I'm like, I don't want that. That's not my, my goal. I want to be quicker on the mat. I want to be uh, rested somehow rested to keep training because training is priority for me. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And uh, it, it's good that you have those good coaches there that, that are adapting the plan to fit to fit your needs. Yes, yes. Fabiana, can you tell me a little about your grappling style, maybe some of your favorite techniques and, and what you like to do when you're, when you're on the mat? Um, I like playing bottle. Um, usually I like playing bottle but you know it has changed a lot and i would tell you that uh, after i opened the gym which is been three years um i i'm playing more top position and more takedowns i think because now i'm training with a lot of heavier guys so it's um it's hard for me um to have them on top of me all the time so i kind of pull guard or um, pull them to the bottom go on top it so my top game got much much better um and even some takedowns we i have some good people that are judo um they have some judo background and wrestling background so my takedowns are improving a lot but i still like bottom if you ask me what's my comfort zone i would tell you that the bottom um, it's still my comfort zone. <laughs> and what kind of what kind of guard or techniques are you working from the bottom? Um, I like open guards um, and submissions. I would say arm bars. I love arm bars. Everybody that knows me knows that arm bar is my favorite. But open guard, I like playing open guard a lot. Sometimes we will hear coaches say uh, someone's a little bit smaller than everybody else. And so they, they tend to play bottom more often, but it's so much easier if that smaller person gets on top. Um, besides getting better takedowns, like is there certain things that people could work on specifically to help them uh, be able to have the option to play in a top game? Because I you know a lot of us get settled into certain areas and you end up playing you know, bottom game for many, many years. Yeah, I think um, ankle picks work very well because you can fake the uh, guard pull and go for ankle picks or you can try your ankle picks and uh, if it doesn't work you end up on the bottom anyway so um, ankle picks I would all, I, I like that to uh, manage to stay on top you are not so engaged to the person and if it doesn't work out you can disengage or you can end up pulling guard sit back and pull guard um, so I think ankle picks and um, faking the guard pull going for 
single leg ankle picks would be good for people that want to transit from bottom to top. Um, also, pulling um, guard and sweeping right away. I like that idea too. So you can, you still work on your bottom, but um, if you don't want to work on so much takedowns, like judo takedowns, which um, I'm sorry if I offend anyone, but which I think you get hurt a lot doing takedowns. Um, so you can, you can avoid a little bit that and um, it's still going on top position. I, I love those uh, advice that you have. The, the ankle pick is it, very deceptive because I don't have a great ankle pick either. But if the person thinks I'm pulling guard, I can stand back up with their ankle and usually finish yeah. the takedown. And uh, it's a lot different than if you, you know, shoot in for uh, a double leg or something like that and somebody sprawls on you and then you're kind of yeah. underneath them. With with that style of, of attack, if like I said, you likely will just end up with guard if it fails. And that's not yes. so bad. And then the yes. idea of, of instead of really pulling guard, you're basically pulling a sweep or you're trying to pull a sweep. Like a lot of times when you pull guard, somebody's thinking, okay, they're going to guard. Actually, yeah. I'm already trying to sweep you to get on yeah. top. And, and that's a that's a great way to, to just be a step ahead of somebody. Yes. So that's 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 awesome to hear. And uh, I think a, a lot of us could, could really use that and, and develop a, a better – uh, game to, to play top because a lot of times it is easier if you're smaller to play on top, but it's hard to get there. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm dragged, like I'm dragged too, um, crossing the arm and attacking the back. Uh, whenever I train with heavier people, that's what I try to do, keeping my feet on their hip to push them away and then with the speed, we can move a little bit better. Um, yeah, there are a lot of a lot of things out there you can do to, as a small person, to to get on top, you know. And once you're on top, stay on top. Don't lose that <laughs> position. <laughs> you talked a little bit about uh, avoiding injuries uh, while standing up. Uh, have you had to deal with many injuries in your career? You know, think I got just one serious one, which um, I had my ACL and meniscus. Um on my left knee, but in 20 years of jiu-jitsu, that's the only injury that I had, and I had to do surgery. So I, I'm, I think I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> Fabian, besides luck, what, what has been an important factor in you not getting injured more than that? What would you think? Um, I would say lucky. <laughs> 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 because, you know, I train with everyone. It can be heavier can be smaller it can be stronger um other thing i think would help too is uh, i try to have a good diet um i think that might help as well of not um eating so much bad i think that helps a little bit and i i just got into the 30 group <laughs> so i think that um that might change now <laughs> But I try to I try to eat healthier and um, working out. I was working out and doing um, my homework at the at, at the CrossFit place or at the gym. I always work out, so I think that helps too. Yeah, <laughs> tell yeah. me a little bit about your diet. If you're uh, a couple weeks out from a tournament, what kind of foods are you eating and what's your diet look like? Um, I 
I avoid eating red meat, um, not because I stopped eating and now it doesn't go well. I feel very tired um, when I eat red meat. So uh, that's something that I don't eat as much. But as a good Brazilian, sometimes I do eat <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but I, in general, I try to eat very um, a lot of salad, a lot of greens, a lot of shakes. Um, I don't eat um, so much bread or white bread. Um, I've, I avoid a lot of those things. But um, in general, I don't do anything like specific, one specific diet. I don't like putting things in a box because if I want to eat a pizza, I'm going to eat a pizza. If I want to eat a cake, I'm going to eat a cake. But um, in general, I try to eat very healthy. So, for example, if I wake up, my breakfast is going to be eggs and um, maybe some spinach. And uh, I like the matcha tea instead of coffee. Um, and then my lunch probably going to be a salad. Um and then dinner, maybe a shake. And in between that, I have some nuts and fruits. Uh, but on the weekends, I if I have to eat the whole pizza, I'm going to eat the whole pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, and, that, and maybe that's part of the success uh, with competing for so long is that the, the food side of it hasn't worn you out as far as you're so strict with it that it takes a lot of the fun out of it. I know uh, when I competed, I was... I think that changing my diet and being so strict on myself took a lot of the fun and enjoyment out of, out of the yes. process. And I like balance. You know, I think life is about balance. So you, you have to balance out uh, eating. Um, unless, of course, uh, I, I see some people, they have to lose weight and then you have to do something more restrict. Or if you want some results um, as a bodybuilder you know, or whatever, you know, you have some other results, but um, I like being flexible and balanced on what I eat and what I do. Um, especially that right now, jiu-jitsu is my profession. So if I don't have the balance, um, I don't want to get worn out of something that I love to do it, you know? So I, I like balance out. I like enjoying okay i'm gonna have a good train today and be happy about it and if i don't want to train i'm not gonna train and not feel guilt about it you know that's awesome and i think that that's great advice for uh, the long-term success we don't want uh listeners here to have a really great year and a half and do like extreme amount of jitsu and then burn out and not stick with it you know we, we want uh people on the mats for 20 plus years uh, and you're a great example of that, and, and you cite balance of being a, is a big factor in that, and and having balance on your in your life. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah, and they, like you said, as a um, a lot of people start, and they want that um, instant results. They want to get there in six months. So sometimes they train twice a day or every day, and they get burned out. And you cannot forget that jiu-jitsu is not a six months, one year uh, e-sport. It's a life, a lifetime sport, you know. Um, there are people that train, they are older and they are training. My psychologist, Gracie, the head founder of Gracie Bahai, 63, 64, and he's still training. So you can, you can still train when you are older, um, but you must, you must, um, 
I believe you must have the balance, you know? Otherwise, you'll get burned out. Yeah. At my school, I see that people coming in and, oh, okay, I want to train two, three times a day. And they don't last because when you start to get injuries, you don't know much techniques. You start to use your power and you get injured. Um, two, when, when you have some, ob, ob, um, some something happening on your life and you have to decrease that amount of the training, you think you are not training enough. Sometimes you, there will be months or year that you're going to train only two times a week. There are other years your life change a little bit. You might train four times a week. So you have to, and it comes back to the consistent, keep training, um, and you're going to get better. You're going to get the results that you want. Of course, there are those um, people that are athletes, and then their, their life is only training. And those people probably will train two, three times a day. Um, and we will have uh, physical therapy, we will have worked out, we will have massage, but they do not have uh, other jobs. So I think a lot of people start jujitsu with the mentality that they're going to be like the athletes. Um, and it's hard to be an athlete when you have uh, another job. <laughs> Yeah, and let's talk about that a little bit with with what you're up to. You start off competing a lot and all these big things. You're running a school now. What's what's that like trying to run a school and compete in in that sort of thing? Yeah, I had to um, to make that transition three years ago. Um, I always was only competing and teaching. Um, so I would I would when I was teaching, I would train as well. But I didn't have to worry about the bills. <laughs> so uh, now for three years, I've been worried, um, not worried, but also managing the school. And as a school owner, there are a lot of things behind, um, behind the doors that the students doesn't see. So it was a very, um, I would say, mostly mental change for me to accept that I wasn't going to um, train as much. And that's when the time management and the commitment to stay with my schedule came in and um, took me a while to shift from being an athlete, um, only exclusively athlete, to um, a school owner and having and being an athlete for passion because I compete for passion. I love the competition. So it took me a while to adjust, but I think on this third year, I'm getting better on that. I'm not being hard on myself. Um, for example, if I work out Tuesday and then Thursday, there is a good training at night, I have to tell myself I'm not going to train. Uh, otherwise, I'll be tired for my train on the next day. So that mental change, that mental talk, I had to do it, and it's working right now. Um, and I'm being able to compete. This year, I did very major tournaments. I did the European Master. Um, I won the Open Class. I did the Pan Ams. I won uh, my weight and Open Class. I did the words, and I won um, my division and uh, second place on the Open Class. So that mental change it helped me a lot 
Yeah, just I, I got to know what, what are some of your strategies and how do they change when you compete in the open class division? Uh, you know, open class for me is actually much more fun than my weight division. <laughs> so I go without any any responsibility. Like, I go just for the fun of it. Um, and I think when you are more relaxed, you do better. <laughs> so on my division, usually I put I'm harder on myself. Like, no, let's go. You got this. And when it's open, it's like, just have fun, do what you know, and have fun, you know? Yeah. It's, so it's basically the only thing that really changes is you're out there and enjoying the process a little bit differently, and there's less stress about your performance, and you seem to perform pretty well at that. Yeah, much less stress. But, you know, you you do perform well with the stresses, you know, also. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, tell me a little about running a school and what that's like. Um, that's been fun. It's been a very fun journey. Um, I was very um, concerned before I had the gym um, because I was afraid of um, the, how do you say, prejudgment of um i was afraid if a guy would come in and seeing a female instructor he would train he would want to train and learn from from a female instructor um but i learned that they do and some of them even prefer um that because um i think as a female we have a different view we move different we teach differently i think um of course they're not generalizing everything but there are many guys that um have the that small person game but as a woman i I was afraid that if my school was going to be successful um and then after a year um i was like yeah it, it that's gonna work and everything it went fine. Nowadays, I have over 200 students at my gym. I have um, a world champion. Um, a lot of guys, they get great results on the tournaments and big guys, you know. And I heard once like, oh, you will only have small guys training at your gym. And nowadays I see, I'm like, no, I have all of them. I have bigger, I have higher belts that come up to my school because it's a female teaching, so I have some brown belts that came um, because it was a female teaching, um, some purple belts, um, blue belts, and people that I'm, I'm building them up, you know. So I have bigger, small, ladies, kids, things. Everyone's teaching is training here. What were some of the things you had to handle that first year and 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 get that success? Because it sounds like after the first year, you felt like it was you were good to go. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little about that first year and the struggles. The first year, uh, I think it was more the struggle of me um, conciliating train, managing the school, and living. Okay. <laughs> that balance. <laughs> that balance, yeah. I had to, like, redo my what I thought was balance, you know. Um, it was much more responsibility of me training with bigger guys and um, – teaching and doing all and like I said having a life um, so that first year was more about that adjustment and learning how to deal with people I think um, 
this school is more about dealing with people than anything else, you know, dealing with different people, um, different matters, different problems. But I'm so lucky that um, I'm not lucky, I'm blessed, I'm very blessed that our school uh, have so many families and amazing families that it makes the school the best you I ever been. Um, and I, t- I taught classes in many schools, um, but here we have amazing group of people that are always helping and families and um, I couldn't be more happy with the results. So looking back at your history, you know, you had some struggles as a kid, either getting to class and training or, or having, you know, money for tournaments, that sort of thing. Do you ever see that with any of the the kids or the students that you're training? Well, here um, in San Antonio, the area that I'm in, we um, we don't have much of um, people or kids that are less privileged. Here it's a very um, nice area. But we do have um, a student, he, he used to be with us and he was from a foster house. So he, he wanted to compete and, of course, um, we would help him as a gym to get him to his tournaments. Um, but I also have families that sometimes they come in and say things are getting hard. They need to cancel the kids' membership. And I see the kids have a big passion for um for jiu-jitsu so we give some um scholarship for those kids we have um, one or two families that um they're on this situation in my school so anytime that i i i, I see somebody struggling um my heart goes dead and i i usually help with scholarship um for the gym yeah that's and that makes the difference between uh, it's great that you do that, but it, it makes it less of a, like a business and more of a, like a family or a, like a team uh, yes. atmosphere. Uh, you can, I don't know. You kind of sometimes just feel it. Like these people are more of a family than just people that uh, that, that are in a business or in you know that sort of relationship. So yes, yes, and people sense that uh, when a school is all about money, money money of course we do need the money to keep running the school to keep uh, having everything provided to to others but um if we can help we're gonna help yeah that's great um and now you being a uh, a female owner of a gym you have uh, your own perspective and i'm sure you have uh, a, a great uh, program for women but if somebody is a male instructor has a has their own gym uh, how would they? Any advice you have for them to develop a, a good female program? Um, I would do a class um, only for ladies, even though it's a guy teaching. But um, and I wouldn't call a, a ladies class or jujitsu class. Call something that's more um, welcome, um, like self defense or um, ladies club or something like that, and then do the transition slowly i have a class here at my gym and it's the ladies self-defense class and a lot of these ladies start a lot of my ladies started on the ladies self-defense and they asked to do the transition to their co-ed class um so it's something that's coming from them um and it's naturally you know 
on the ladies' class, we, we work more self-defense, we work more fitness. And then soon they're like, okay, I, I need something more. I want something more challenge. And they go for the co-ed class, which the co-ed class, we have a ton of girls. Um, and they still feel like this, like welcome. Uh, ladies, usually I partner up the ladies with ladies, but they, uh, when we do rotation drills or rotation uh, specific training, they train with guys too. And the guys are very helpful with the girls, very respectful with the girls. So um, I would say have a ladies only, even though if you can only do one time a week, do that and um, welcome ladies from your community and do special classes for them and try to build up the ladies program um, at your school. Yeah. And be patient. Yeah. (laughs) Be patient. I think teaching um, females are a little bit different, um, but it's very rewarding. They are very uh, loyal to you and thankful to you. Yeah, and also patience with the program. You may not have uh, a packed house the first several weeks or months. You know, it, it might take a little while to grow, but it will be worth it in the long run. And also we cannot forget um, what I see is a lot of times when there is a life change, ladies are the ones that have to uh, kind of give up on something. Hmm. If if a, a couple going to move, most of the times, not all the times, it's the lady that's going to decide she's going to follow the husband or the boyfriend. If you are having kids, it's also the lady that will have to stop jujitsu. So you have to be, um, um, we are back to consistent. You have to be consistent even if it's one, two, three girls. And later on, they're going to start to build up and grow that program. Yeah. That, that, that's great advice for anybody who's trying to develop a program. Uh, let's look at it from the other direction, uh, Fabiana. If somebody wants to to do jiu-jitsu and she's uh, looking at a school that doesn't have a women's program at all, any advice mm-hmm. for her starting out and just going right into the, to the co-ed class where she may be the only female there? Yeah, um, I would try. A lot of schools um, offer the trial class. And... Um, Try if there are five schools at your city, try or around you, try all five schools because jujitsu you're gonna um, you're gonna put a lot of time and you're gonna be a lot of hours inside a gym with the people you're gonna train with. So if you do not feel um, welcome or you don't feel a good vibe, that gym is not gonna be good for you. So try each gym talk to um, people that are there and see which one fits your needs better and um, fits your happiness better, you know. But try, uh, go try, talk to the instructor um, and put yourself out there. Um, I feel a lot of ladies sometimes they are afraid to go because they overthink, they think the gym is too much of an MMA gym or um, something too big. And then when they go there, they're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. So just go and try. Yeah, and I would even say when you're trying the different gyms, uh, don't be uh, gravitating too strongly towards just the rank of a belt. If there's a gym that 
is being taught by a black belt, that's great. If there's a gym that's being taught by a purple belt and you go in there and you feel very welcomed and, and everybody is, is fun to train with and, and, and you feel like you're learning well there, that might be a better gym than just the, a black belt who kind of ignored you or uh, made you feel like you weren't as important as a, as a person there. So don't just rely on like a belt rank or anything like that. Use your gut when, you, when you're picking a gym. Yes. It might be for anybody. Yes, I totally agree with you. Um, there are many purple belts out there putting more passion on teaching than black belts. So I totally agree with you on that. Fabian, well, you started competing so young. I, I think that's, that's great, and, and I can tell that it's kind of affected you uh, your entire life. If if somebody wants to compete and they're not, uh, you know, 11 or 12, like adults here, um, what advice do you have to those students of yours that are going to compete for the first time? Do not put too much pressure on yourself. <laughs> go for fun. Go for the feeling. Um, go for the self-discoverment you're going to have. Of course, we all want the gold medal. But if you put so much pressure on the gold medal, um, sometimes it's not fun, you know. Um, so go have fun, feel the feeling because tournaments, the feelings change. You, you are not a person, you know. Um, so go for your first time, see what it is, what it's about. And then you're going to see, okay, I like this feeling. I want to keep on doing. And you go for the second one, you go for the third one. And, um, but of course, train. You gotta train. If you commit to something, you gotta go there, train at least, I would say three times a week at least, if you're going to compete. Um, two times is okay, but three times is much better. More than that's perfect. Um, and train and go for the first one, go for the feeling. Because there's so much going on in your mind, there's so much going on around you that you you don't know the person that's there. Maybe you're going to be a monster going into the mat. Maybe you're going to shut down. So go for the feeling. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And uh, I think anybody could take that, and not just your first tournament, but, uh, you know, if you're putting too much pressure on yourself, you talked about, uh, you know, sustainability and, and being able to do this for a long time and, and uh, that balance. Yes. I'm always interested because everybody has a different journey, and I think a blue belt a lot of times is a difficult belt. What were you like as a blue belt, and and what was, uh, what was going on back in those days? My gosh, it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, blue belt, I you know as a blue belt, I like training hard, hard, hard. I I would cry on the mat because um, I was upset if I would tap. So I, I put a lot of like, a lot of pressure on myself. But I knew that if I cry on the mats, um, on tournaments, I would win. Every time I cry on the mats on tournaments, I would win because I'm like, okay, you are giving that 110%. Um, yeah, as a blue belt, I think I, I train hard. I like training, training, training hard, hard, hard. Did did that did the emotion change as you got uh, more experience on the mats? Or uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nowadays I don't cry, but I I remember as a black belt I I would cry still. Like uh, I remember once training at the headquarters in at Grace Baja, 
with the top-notch black belts and um, one of them, Otavio Souza, um, swept me and I started crying. I'm like, I'm so bad, <laughs> but come on, <laughs> so Otavio Souza sweeping you. Why are you crying? You know, but um, I had those feelings still. I I would have those feelings nowadays. Not so much. Nowadays it's more like um, if I follow my schedule and I train well, I know I'm gonna do well. Um, because I know I'm putting the time, I'm putting, I'm sacrificing other things to do to do a tournament. Um, but I don't cry anymore. <laughs> That's interesting, the, the the confidence you have in your schedule. And that could only really be done <clears throat> by competing a lot and, and finding out what works for you. Uh, you know, somebody could adopt your same schedule, and it may not work for them. It may work great, but as you compete more and more, you kind of tweak uh, what's going on. And as, and as things change for you as well, and sticking to that schedule and training like you do, I think gives you a tremendous confidence and, and it really helps you out. And I think we could all learn from that. Yes. Yes. Just putting the schedule work for you. I know some people, they sometimes wake up 5am and they go to the gym um, and they go train. That one wouldn't work for me, but <laughs> it, whatever works for you, you know, and make your mind strong. Okay. I'm putting the time then, um, then do it, you know? It's a lot of, like I said, competition, it's a lot of self-discovery. You've got to know about yourself. Fabiana, uh, looking back at when you started your school, if you can go back and give yourself some advice or some uh, words of wisdom, what would you what would you say? Um, I would have had open um, before. <laughs> I wouldn't uh-huh. be afraid, yeah. I wouldn't be afraid to to open. I would be okay. This is gonna be successful. Is the is the business side harder than the jujitsu side? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like some some days I'm like I just want to train. I just want to be a student. Um, or yeah, business. It's hard. I I really um, admire who can do business because. Business, it's hard, very hard. But uh, I'm thankful that I'm in a, on an organization that take care of us on that side. Because a lot of people, um, they are athletes, and then when they, they think, okay, I'm going to open my gym. And they think it's just, opening a gym is just about teaching. And it's not just about teaching. So if you don't have a good support, as I have, Grace Barra gives me, a very amazing support. Um, it's hard to to keep on going. You're gonna you're gonna be bumping on the walls or um, a lot and um, learning on your own. So I'm very thankful. A lot of part of my successful success as a school owner, I am thankful for Gracie Baha. Yeah. So they're that. not just helping you with like. Uh, set a curriculum and 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 I don't know like technique wise. There's somebody to talk to if you have business questions or they're helping oh, yeah. you with your online stuff and that sort of thing as well? Yes, the network we have um, with people and um, inside the school, the support they give to us, um, any question, any, can be as silly as you think the question it is, 
you are open to ask and there will be somebody that they're going to help you. And the whole models I have, you know, um, Professor Draculino, Professor Marcio Feitosa, Professor Flavio Almeida, um, all of them helped me so much. So it's good to have them. Wow, that's a, it's great you have that support there. And, yeah. Uh, so you, you would have said open up earlier. How early would that have been? Like when, when do you think you were ready to open a school and you didn't do it? Um, probably one, two years before. Okay. Yeah, not so, so early, but yeah, one, two years. I wouldn't be afraid to open. I would, but that's the new, you know, I think that it's new for you. You're afraid of, um, I wouldn't be so afraid. Okay. That's going to, I wouldn't put so much thought in like, Oh, is this school going to be good or not? I would just like, okay, let's do it. But it's, it's good to have the fear. So you don't, you, you cover yourself a little bit and you protect yourself a little bit. Uh, Fabiana, I'm going to ask you kind of a different question. <laughs> um, give yourself a compliment as a coach. What do you do well as a coach? I'm very patient. And that comes from my students. <laughs> so what would be an example of that? Um, for example, if somebody is not getting a technique, I will try to find their way of getting the technique. Um, because each person learns differently. Some people learn by seeing, some people learn by feeling, by doing. So I try to find their way of learning. Um, uh, or, yeah. So I, I try to see, it. okay, do you want to see it? Do you want me tell you the steps and you write down? Um, so I'm, I'm pretty patient on teaching. I love teaching, so it, it's easier for me. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like part of your patience is being willing to change what you're trying to uh, change the message to get to get the same, um, change the delivery, I guess, to get the same message across. So you might. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't learn the same way. No, we don't. And some coaches don't understand that. And it's okay, you know. But um, I'm lucky I understand that and that. I try to um, have everybody getting the message. Wow, that's great. And who doesn't want a, a coach that's patient in, in such a technical uh, sport like jiu-jitsu where details matter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> having, having a patient coach is important. So that's one quality coaches out there. If, if you feel like, I could be more patient, take a yeah. little more time, maybe show it a different way instead of having the two students uh, you know, arm bar like this and move your hips like this. Hop on the mat and say, let me show you. Or yeah. arm bar me and mm -hmm. I'll help you move your hips the right way. And, yeah. and maybe that person will feel the difference that way. And it does make a, a big difference because the same person is going to be doing arm bars in 15 years. You might as well teach them right the first time. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I've, I've had uh, some patient coaches and I've, I've definitely experienced coaches that weren't all that patient. And it's it's nice to learn uh, from a patient person. So that's a great, that's a great thing that you have a great trait. Yeah. If somebody wants to train with you, where, where could they go? Um, I'm located, um, in San Antonio, Texas, Grace Baja, San Antonio. And now we are opening a second location, Grace Baja, Bernie. So I will be teaching on those two schools, um, along with some of my coaches. Um, and those are the two locations that I'm, um, they had instruct of, 
But sometimes I go to to seminars. I'm going to a seminar right now at Grace Baja Edmont in Canada. Um, if I'm around, you guys can come learn, train. <laughs> That's awesome. Is there a best website to go to or any social media you, you recommend? Um, you can go to my social media, um, F Borges Jiu Jitsu. That's the Instagram um, or Facebook. Um, also, Grace Barra, if you go to Grace Barra San Antonio, you can find us um, or you can find me online too. And, and, and also, I'll put links to that in the show notes. You can go find it uh, through there awesome. as well. So, <laughs> Fabiana, it's been great talking with you. I learned a lot and it's been nice getting to know you. Thank you. Thanks so much. It was. A very pleasant um, talk. <laughs> I hey. hope I help. I hope I help a lot of people um, to get in the fear out to step on the mats and help them with their jiu-jitsu journey. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Fabiana, for hopping on the show uh, with me and doing the interview. It, it's great to learn from you. Uh, uh, go train with you if you're in the area of San Antonio and uh, and you get that great mat time. Uh, learned a lot from you today, so thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Anybody listening in San Antonio thinking about training, perfect school to go to. Check out her school if you're, you know, vacation in the area, which is a, you know, nice area to go to to uh, uh, take a vacation. Hit up her school and have some fun. Article this week: SuccessHealthLifestyle.com. That's kind of a mouthful in the name of the of the website, but that's what we're at here. The uh, article is titled Eight Health." And fitness benefits of jujitsu, and uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can find it easily. And uh, we don't need to cover all eight of these, but it covers a lot of different things. It's just I think it's important to remember sometimes, especially if you're a little frustrated with how your uh, jujitsu is going. Maybe you feel like I haven't gotten any better in the past several months, or you know maybe maybe I'm getting I'm getting beat by people who used to I used to beat. Like that all happens to basically everybody on the mat. But while you're training and on the mat, so many other good things are happening that don't just get frustrated with how uh, your jujitsu is going. Uh, remember the small other things that that's going for you as well, and and uh, and there's a lot of other benefits. So the, the first one they have here is an aerobic workout, you know, and, and that makes you a more healthy person. I am so glad that jujitsu is a fun activity and. It helps you get in great shape. If if the workout didn't exist in Jiu-Jitsu, I would still do it. If somehow we did this same activity that I thought was blast, but you got zero, you know, aerobic workout out of this, I would still do it. But I wouldn't <laughs> get that benefit, which I, I would either have to go find somewhere else, or I would just not would not do it. And uh, I think we're, we're all fortunate to find something that we both enjoy and is is great. Uh, for the heart and lungs so uh it's remember that hey at least if, if you had a rough time the mat at least you had a at least you got a good workout in yeah that's a good point one thing that i've enjoyed about this article is i've been uh reviewing and dissecting it over the last couple days wait no that's not the way it goes uh byron sent us a show notes uh, an hour before the show and i started <laughs> reading this five minutes before the show but <laughs> one thing that i do appreciate about it is like point number two it says better flexibility and the point isn't that you're going to become some super super flexible yoga master but you will be better 
than you would be without jujitsu. And especially when it comes to flexibility, I don't know what it is about my body, but if I don't do something like jujitsu and work on my flexibility, I literally have a hard time bending over and touching my shins, let alone my toes. And as you get older in life, that lack of flexibility can really become a problem. So for me, being involved in an activity that helps uh, with my range of motion and my flexibility as I'm into my 50s is a great thing. And so, yeah, it's not that you'll be super flexible or any of these other points in the article. He's not approaching it from the standpoint that all of a sudden you're going to be a master at these things, but you'll be better than you would be without jujitsu. So when it comes to flexibility specifically, uh, that's one of the main benefits that I appreciate about jujitsu. Joe, that's also one that's helped me a lot. Um, you know, I used to just think flexibility was touching your toes, which I've never been very good at. But, boy, my hips have gotten much more flexible, you know, back, you know, just range of motion. It's really helped me. Um, also, I want to mention that I was feeling a little terrible there for a second, Joe, when you said you've been dis- dissecting this article for a couple of weeks. <laughs> you kind of fooled me. I was like, man, what an overachiever, because I just started five minutes before the show. So I did feel a little bit better because when you brought that on, I was feeling terrible and it kind of increased my stress level. And one thing I love about jujitsu is point number three, it's a stress reducer. And, you know, I love the aerobics like Byron was talking about. I love the flexibility. But I will tell you, my main thing I like about jujitsu is it reduces my stress. And normally I go to jujitsu after work. And, you know, work does uh, lead to some stress in my life. And I no matter what has happened during my day, as soon as I get into the gym, and it even starts before I get on the mat and I have to learn, just uh, the minute you step in the gym or, you know, you're around your buddies, they're all asking you how your day went, did you watch the UFC last night, did you, you know, do this, do that, all of a sudden you just get a smile on your face, you forget about anything that happened at work, you then spend, uh, you know, two hours on the mat, you forget about anything that happened at work, you leave jujitsu, you're exhausted. You, you know, you, you increased your heart rate, you worked on your flexibility, you worked on your strength. And when you go home, none of that stuff is in your mind. You're, you're going over replaying everything you did during the day, or you may even be laughing at some funny joke that somebody told in class. But, uh, I really love the, the stress reduce reducing part of jujitsu. Another one that they mentioned here is uh, to fight mental illness. And I would even change that slightly. I mean, it does make great things. Like, don't use this as, uh, you know, stop going to professional help if you're getting professional help. But it could be a supplement. Basically, any fitness can help you uh, perform better, better mentally. Uh, instead of fighting mental illness, I'd say be stronger with your mental health. Uh, we're not all fighting mental illnesses. Anybody can have like a bad day or a bad week and, and not actually be depressed. But I do think that in jujitsu, it does kind of lift us up. Being Part of it is you're out there exercising. Exercise helps with your mental health. Part of it is you're around people who actually care about you. Uh, you should be. If you're, not, if you're training at a gym that nobody, gym that nobody likes you or nobody cares about you, you're you at the wrong gym. gym. <laughs> Yeah, at bare minimum, you're a customer. The coach should care about you. Like that's part of their job. But hopefully, you have a great environment with a great team, and everybody is is on the same team because you literally are. But everybody wants you to do well, and just just being around that is so healthy compared to at work 
you know, at work, you might be competing with somebody for the next promotion or, you know, you get the the big client and, and that sort of thing. I don't know. But a lot of times work environments are more competitive than they should be. Maybe the environment at home isn't all that healthy either. But you come to Jiu-Jitsu, you're surrounded by people who are on your team uh, and, and are going for you. And I think that that helps us mentally get ready for the rest of the world. Yeah, I'm not a mental health professional, but I know that there are some things that help people that are struggling. Uh, one of them would be having some sort of routine in your life. And like I go to class Tuesday, Thursday, and open mat on Saturday, that gives you a little bit of routine. Uh, one of them is things you look forward to. And, you know, I see my friends Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. That, that gives you something you look forward to. A support group is important if you're struggling with mental health issues. And like Byron said, you'll develop a support group at jujitsu, uh, improving your uh, physical fitness level, uh, your health, uh, getting some exercise. Those are all things that help when you're struggling with mental health issues. And you can find some of those things, golfing or lifting weights or doing other uh, exercise type activities are, they're good, but jujitsu is a little bit unique, I think, in that it offers so many of those benefits. So, Again, like Byron said, if you're on medication or seeking professional help or whatever, don't discontinue that. But uh, adding jujitsu uh, could be a great uh, supplement to what you're already doing. And I'd like to add one more point uh, here. We'll talk about number seven, better sleep. And I guess that can go to help uh, number five there to fight mental illness. Um, you know, when you're sleeping better, your your day's going to be better. But um, one thing we can go back to uh, what I was talking about, stress reducer. Before I was doing jujitsu, I would, you know, have some stress at work. I would come home and who knows what happened at home, but I'd be trying to sleep at night. And, you know, I would just sit there and think about what happened during the day. And, and normally it was bringing up the bad parts that happened during work. Jujitsu, like I said, I can even have a terrible day. But when I start going to bed, jujitsu runs through my mind it kind of puts me at ease it allows me to just get to sleep but while i lay down in bed it's kind of weird and i don't know who else does this but i just start thinking of you know combinations techniques escapes you know maybe i could have put my hand here maybe i could have done this but it just winds me down for the day and what a better way to uh you know go to sleep than thinking about jujitsu so it's definitely helped me get better sleep Yep. And the last point is uh, you will be happier. And I've said time and time again, if jujitsu is not making you happier, it's not jujitsu's fault. You're not doing jujitsu right. If you're doing jujitsu right, uh, it, it should make you happier. Now, if you're overly focused on the next belt or you're overly focused on uh, beating your friend that you, you know, you do jujitsu with and you've been doing it longer, you should be able to beat him. If those things become your focus, then it might be a little frustration frustrating and not necessarily make you happy but um if you're doing it right jujitsu should make you happier you should be in better health you should be surrounded by good friends uh, have things to look forward to every week um yeah i, I don't see maybe i'm biased but i don't see how jujitsu couldn't make you happier yeah. joe that's an awesome point and it kind of reminds me of something that came up to me this week i rolled with a couple of my buddies and uh, one of my buddies sent me a text he's like hey i had a good time tonight and he finished off the text was, you know, I don't always look forward to coming to jujitsu, but I had a good time tonight. And, and, you know, I'm reading the text and I was like, man, I don't like that text. Um, you know, I started thinking about it. I was like, 
if you're not enjoying jujitsu, why are you doing it? And then I was thinking maybe there's something I can do to make that person enjoy jujitsu. So, you know, I, I had a little talk with that person. I was like, Hey, what did you mean by this text? Is there something I can do to make jujitsu more enjoyable for you? You know, I want to keep you doing jujitsu is, is it something like that? And it, I guess it was a little misconstrued. It's he really loves jujitsu, but he's got some outside pressures that are kind of digging into whether or not, uh, you know, he's getting a little pressure when he trains to be away from the family. And, um, so I, I was just so, you know, but I was just so worried that he didn't enjoy jujitsu and, and I wanted to do anything possible to make this person enjoy it more. And, it goes back to like you were talking about training partners and you know, we, we want to Byron, you were talking about you're at the wrong gym if you're not happy or, or that was you, Joe, somebody, but we should be happy and your training partners can uplift you. And, and then even when this person was telling me about the, the stuff going on at home, Hey, what can I do to help? You know, those are the first things that come out of our mouth. We want to help each other out. It's like maybe, Instead of training three days a week, you only train two days a week to make your spouse a little more happy. You know, would that help or could we change times or 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 what? You know, I'm willing to do anything to keep you in this sport so you're having fun. Gary, great advice, man. And uh, consider you such a great teammate. And uh, uh, But you got to follow the meatloaf rule on this one. He would do anything for jiu-jitsu, but he wouldn't do that. And it kind of, kind of leaves it limit. open to, to having a limit, Gary. you got to have limits. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link to the article in the show notes. Check it out. We didn't cover all the things. It was written by staff. Uh, that being said, hey, if you've written an article on a website and it's jiu-jitsu related or even just sports related and think it would be good for the podcast, send it to us at bjjbrick at gmail.com, and we'd love to tackle it on the show and discuss it. And uh, get you a little bit of increased traffic, perhaps. So if you have a a blog or website and you listen to the show, we'd be more than happy to help you along with that. Help each other because we're always looking for great content. And if you're providing that, that would be awesome as well. If you don't have a blog or website and you've not written an article, but you have an interesting story to tell, we'd be interested in that as well. Um, I, I would really love to hear from some of our listeners, especially if maybe you do jujitsu as a family and this activity has... Uh, change your lives in some way or uh, uh, added value to your family dynamic, I'd love to hear it. And uh, if writing an article is intimidating, just think of it as a small essay or a blog post. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. And uh, send it our way, and we'd love to talk about it. The crazy thing is we're talking about you know writing an article and sending it to us. That is actually how we met Joe. Joe was listening, heard us say, hey, if you get an article, send it our way. Joe sent it our way. The rest is history, and now Joe is famous. Yeah, so send us an article, and this could become a four-person show. Well, we actually do have a uh, uh, English lady who tried <laughs> to join the show today. <laughs> actually, we, we, we have to maintain three. We'll do the awkward voting off of somebody, and it looks like every time you guys are going to team up and vote me out. But uh, We can't put you out. You're the originator of the BJJ break. I so thought you were going to say the better-looking of the people. Yeah. Well, I, I do think you're pretty hot there, Byron. <laughs> but uh, nothing like those college guys you were talking about from last week. Oh, you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> we 
we kind of talked about our social media a little bit. We'd like to see you guys on those things, you know, YouTube, Facebook, our email. Uh, those are all fun ways to interact with you guys. Definitely send us questions. We're always looking for questions for the uh, uh, first episode of the or the extra episode that we do every month. And those are those are good to have kind of in the bank. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to our, uh, some of our Patreon supporters. Adam, Ryan, and Dennis have been three of our loyal Patreon supporters for quite a while. So thank you for your continued support. It means a lot to us and it's helping the show grow and become bigger and better. Uh, what Adam, Ryan, and Dennis have done is they uh, said, hey, I like the show. I like the podcast. Let's support it like a dollar or two or three, whatever they want to do per episode. And at the end of the month, you send us that support. It's all automated through credit cards and that sort of thing. And it really adds up and, and really helps us out uh, quite a bit. So uh, thank you so much, guys. And what we do as a token of our appreciation is we mail you out a 5-inch BJJ Brick gee patch, and we throw a sticker in there for the BJJ Brick podcast. You can put the sticker wherever you want. Um, that doesn't break any sort of laws. So, you know, I can't encourage vandalism with a sticker. But... Uh, Joe, Joe and Gary might have done that a time or two. Three or four times. Vandalize a sticker? Yeah, I've got one sewed on every pair of jeans I own. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes you're trying to do karate kick or something, you split the crotch out and you <laughs> put a patch in there. So. <laughs> that goes back to that old flexibility you have, Joe. That's right. I, I, I might be developing a little bit, but my jeans aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Joe has, you know, if you're in a similar situation where you have worn out the crotch completely in your pants, the, the gi patch probably would, would help with that. And I would probably get, instead of getting the small gi patch, get the bigger gi patch uh, for the crotch. Well, not everybody needs the bigger gi patch, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm just thinking about myself. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Tell us another story, Pinocchio. <laughs> Guys, next week is the last episode of the month and we do a topic episode on the last episode of the month so it's going to be us and we're going to be discussing and this is the guys don't know this because i just wrote it down a minute ago growing your local jujitsu i think this is going to be a great topic because there's nowhere more important to grow jujitsu than where you live <laughs> and uh we've got i have a lot of ideas i'm sure the, the guys do as well uh, you got a week to think about it, and we'll come back oh, yeah, we'll, and talk about it. Joe and I will think about it five minutes before the show starts, as usual. I'll have a list yeah, of bullet points. You had no reason to tell us now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just send us an email right before we go. We'll we'll forget about this, and you know, Joe will start hearing voices in his head, like always. You guys are, you know, are managing lady. my expectations. That's what you're doing. I like that. Perfect. Yeah. So that's next week. Uh, until then, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Train hard, train smart, and you will get better. We'll see you on the mats, guys. Guys, I got to say, stay tuned at the end of the music here to hear the uh, unfolding of Joe talking to, about the British lady, which was just weird. <laughs> so, so how are you pulling that off? Pulling <laughs> You guys gotta be messing with me. Uh, you know that was actually a pretty good one. I thought it would be terrible, but uh, Hello, we just pretend like we didn't hear it. <laughs> After the beep, please record a message. Afterwards, your message will be played back to you. Thank you for listening. 
I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. All right, my friends, this is Byron from the audio editing room. Going to bring up the speed here. There's a couple parts where I'll jump in and jump out. But this is a prank we pulled on Joe where we did what's called a Skype call test while we were talking with him. And uh, this first part is just us talking about the prank. We did it to each other on accident, Gary and I, before we called Joe. So here's kind of the discovery of the idea of the prank. Here we go. How about this? Here's 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 going to be the prank on Joe. Because it's hard to pull a prank on Joe just because we always you know conspire against you. Uh, <laughs> so here's what we'll do. We'll call Joe, and I'll also immediately call the Skype call test. And it'll re- – it, do you know what – so it's the Skype call test is you just call Skype – and say, play a message after the call, and then you, you record your own message, and then they'll play it back to you. And if you could hear it, it's working. If you can't, then you're messed up. And we'll uh, we'll just add that to the call and see how Joe reacts. And then we'll blame it on him. Yeah. Like, did you – you didn't just uh, call us and Skype testing service? This is us calling Joe, and he immediately thinks something is wrong with his computer and bails on us. I don't know if it's calling Joe or not. Hey, what's up, guys? Hello. Hey, Welcome to Skype Joe. Call Testing Service. Oh, After the beep, please Joe. record a message. Can you hear Afterwards, us, Joe? your message will be played back to you. He hung oh, up. I think he's there. He hung up. It's not there. It said he dropped him. Let's do that again. There was some lady from England. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep calling him with it. All right, calling Joe here. All right, guys, getting ready to hit the callback button for Joe and this is kind of funny because he starts troubleshooting and trying to figure out the problem. Except there is no problem, except for his co-hosts are the problems. I don't hear it ringing. Usually you hear it ring. Hello, oh, Joe. Did, did it go through? Hello. Welcome to Skype call hey, testing hey, service. For some reason, After when you're calling beep, me, it's please a group record a call. Message. And it's got that your echo test call to on it, too. Can you guys hear that? Here, what are you no. hearing? It's got the echo, the test call on it too. You guys call me, and as soon as I answer, it says, "Hello, welcome to Skype Echo." <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, it, it's gone now, but it still says. So it says I'm in a group text. So here's what just happened, guys. Joe explained the problem, but as he was explaining the problem, Skype was recording his words just to play back to him to make sure his microphone and headsets are set up correctly. So now we're going to hear the playback that Joe just explained. So it's a bit of a repeat, and we're going to talk over it, but uh, it adds to the frustration level that Joe's experiencing. So enjoy. Where do you hear it? It's got the echo, the test call on it, too. You guys call me, and as soon as I answer, it says, Hello, welcome to Skype. (laughs) Yeah, I hear myself on there. Yeah, it's gone now, but it still says. Joe, you just said this a minute ago. If you are able to hear your own voice, then you have configured Skype correctly. If you hear this message, but not your own voice, what is this? Something is wrong with your audio recording I can't hear you. Please check Anybody your microphone there? and microphone I'm here. Gary, can you hear me? Or visit Skype. Hey, can you hear me, you Byron? Okay, Thank you Byron. for using the Skype call test. Is Joe service. there? I hear you, Goodbye. Byron. Goodbye. I don't know. It says hey, can he's you here. hear me? There's Joe now. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why, but when you call me, it comes up as a four person group call that sounds and fantastic the e- and the echo test call is part of the group and it says hello welcome to and then then we talk for a minute and then it plays it back it sounds like you're what's, explaining this for the third time <laughs> echo test 
It's an echo test. Echo. They're seeing if there's an echo. Echo. No, echo. Come- <laughs> it's the it's the service for Skype where you call and test your call. That's oh, weird. Okay. Oh, I, yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, so some somehow it's tied into this phone call. Hello, How welcome to Skype call oh testing service. After the beep, please record a message. <laughs> Afterwards, does... your message will be played back to you. Gary, Are you hearing it, Byron? I'm I, not hearing it. I, I, I think it's hung up. I wonder up. if we should call back. Call call yeah. call back. Call back to to what? I don't hear it. Joe dropped. Joe dropped the call. I wonder if we should call, call right now. Call call yeah. call back. I'm calling. Call He's already this. dropped. If you are able to hear your own voice, then you this have configured Skype correctly. If you hear He's this message right now, but Gary. not your own voice, then something is wrong with your audio recording settings. Please check your microphone and this microphone settings or visit Skype.com for this, more help. Thank you for terrible, using the Skype call testing service. Bad. Goodbye. Do you want to tell him or not tell him? No, we ain't going to tell him. Okay. <laughs> See if he listens to it. <laughs> Should we hit it like and join it in the middle? Okay. Like... Like in the middle of that. Well, during the audio like book, we'll just break. hit the button. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. he's calling me now. He's calling. There he is. Is hey, he back? Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. We're ready to rock and I roll. I called you that time. Okay. okay I don't, that put us through. Do you hear? Do you hear that weird thing again? No. I don't hear it echoing either. It doesn't All say right. anything about Skype being on here. No, but when you call me, it says that there's three other people on the line, and Skype test calling is one of them. <sighs> I don't know why. Oh, it's that English lady or British lady, huh? Exactly. Uh, um, and then well. she keeps repeating her little spiel. Yeah, remember Which, we used to do that when we first started to see if, uh, if it was working. we test out Skype before we ever started. Like It was like what we used to do on like the first three episodes, four or five episodes or whatever. All right, guys, this next part is great. But I think my favorite part, Joe gives his theory on why... The Skype call testing is part of this call, which tells me that the prank is in full effect. He's got no real idea what's happening, and we haven't even started to record the show yet, so we definitely added some time into how long it's taken to record this episode, but uh, we got him getting frustrated, so here is Joe's theory about what is happening. Well, I, I still do it because I, I, do it completely, too. I completely reset up my gear from work to home, so I still do it, and I want to say that maybe last time you guys called me, I was still in the middle of doing that, and I answered, and so now she's just a part of our. Uh, oh. She's part of our group now. Part of the show. Did you? All right. This brings us to the last part of the prank. You might notice that there was not a audio book for anybody to talk about a fake audio book. That's because it got cut out and edited into this section. So we give Joe his fake topic for his audio book, and soon after that, I hit the Skype call test lady. She comes back in. And he doesn't understand what's happening. He kind of shuts down and quits talking to us. And then we mock him for not having any content for his audiobook. So kind of a win-win, and uh, he's frustrated about <laughs> uh, this whole situation. This week, guys, good news, Gary. What's the good news, Byron? Joe has an audiobook coming out, and uh, it's it's going to be perfect for everybody. What What's it about, Joe? Joe's audiobook is uh, managing expectations. Lessons learned for for BJJ from my dating life. And I guess the big part of Joe's dating life was he had to help manage expectations because you you got to help him manage that. Otherwise, they're going to have a terrible time if they expect to have a great time. 
So, Joe, how how, is it, yeah. how important is it to manage your expectations during uh, during the mat time? Well, let me say first of all that I did uh, draw these lessons from my dating life, and that was the most difficult part of the book. Was <laughs> my dating life was a long time ago. <laughs> I've been married for twenty some odd years, closing in on thirty in a few years. So, uh, so that yeah, but you have good. You know, you're a success story. So Hello. people are welcome to Skype call testing service. After so it's the beep, definitely gonna help you out there. Message. Joe. Afterwards, your uh, message will be played. You're not back gonna to believe you. it, guys, but the echo lady just started talking to me. Well, I think you're going insane, Joe. <laughs> we can't hear an echo. Well, I don't hear an echo at all. So that little part was just recorded by Skype and now it's gonna get played back and we're gonna act like we hear this part. Lady just started talking. Did to me. you really hear it? I think you're going insane, Joe. <laughs> no. Joe, you need to set. Joe, you need to set different. If you are able to hear your own voice, yourself. then you have configured Skype correctly. If you hear this message but not your own so voice, what's your then something is wrong there? with your audio recording settings. Please check well, your microphone and dating. microphone settings. Joe, let's hear a little bit Skype. about your dating stories. Did you date a British Thank lady? Thank you for using the Skype call testing service. Goodbye. Are you guys telling there? me you didn't just hear that? Hear what? Okay. Not all audiobooks have content with them. Joe's kind of a little bit uh, hung up on on uh, coming up with ideas. That's fine. Uh, like he said, his dating life didn't have a lot of the material to work with, and it was a while ago. But uh, Joe's early on in the stages of developing this book. So, uh, Joe, good luck with the book. <laughs> and you seem to... Maybe I, we could- Talk about it next week when you don't see someone flabbergasted. You talk about imaginary people. Is that part of the the dating life? Well, I know, think you've been choked out too many times, Joe. <laughs> so after the show, we informed Joe that we've been messing with him, and here was his response. Man, something's <laughs> wrong with my audio settings. We just, we just kept trying to talk over it, pretend like nothing happened. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> And kudos to anybody who could listen to all of the uh, Skype interruptions from her. I'm literally just adding her to the phone call and sending it back and watching it unfold. It's a little hard <laughs> to listen to because it does repeat and we do talk over her. But uh, anybody who got through the whole little thing at the end here, congratulations. We'll catch you next week. Yep, so that'll be oh, at the end of the episode. <laughs> that was far better than I thought it would be. Me too. I, like We didn't even plan it really. Just like, hey, let's just throw this and see what happened. Like, we never even... So we just kept talking and pretend like we didn't hear anything. And I was like, boy, I think Joe's actually thinks maybe we didn't hear it. <laughs> and I, you know, so I waited right till the audiobook started. And I was like, I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. And then we hey, mocked uh, you for not having an audiobook topic or audiobook content because you were so distracted. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe you won't be so flabbergasted next week. <laughs> 